Well, it is so good to be in this moment with you right now and to be a part of all that God is doing right now and all of us involved in many different ways. But it is just, it's a trip to us. This is actually real. We were driving over here tonight and I'm like, does it feel like we're going to our wedding or something like that? <laughs> Jimmy's like, yes, let's hope we get way more gifts. Um, so we are just, I uh, can't believe because this was like, and you saw in the video, it was, it was a idea for us. It was uh, like... Something more like, you know, a, a fairy tale, far away idea for us that we would talk about way too late at night. And then to see you all here and to see what God is doing is just, it's unbelievable to us to be a part of that. We believe with all our heart that we are caught up in the midst of an amazing story. This is an amazing story. And we get to be a part of that. And it's not like, it would be so different if this was just sort of like, the plan all along. Like, we didn't plan to be in this space. Like, we didn't plan to have so many people we didn't know six months ago be such an integral part of our lives. We didn't dream this up in, like, a classroom or a lab somewhere and then just implement it. This is a story. Hmm. This is a story that we are literally in the middle of. And I'm, I'm so glad that it's a story and not anything else. Because stories are so much more interesting, aren't they? Stories are so much more engaging. Hmm. And stories can be so much more transformational to our lives because everybody loves a great story right our five-year-old son elijah he's up in our soul city kids right now he's upstairs with i don't know like 90 kids climbing all over the place up there and amazing leaders and he loves stories and every night when we go to tuck elijah into bed guess what he wants to hear is there a story? Like, he doesn't, like, go, Dad, can you just run me through the headlines of the news again today, please? <laughs> Dad, before I go to sleep, can you just read back to me my stock portfolio? Yeah, it's looking good these days. Like, no, he wants a story, right? Every kid does. When you were a kid, you wanted a story because we love stories. It's a part of the fabric of who we are. And so every night he would ask for a story. And, you know, this summer I was like, okay, I need to make it a little bit more interesting. I need to kind of keep myself awake, too, while I'm reading these stories to him. And so I decided that I would make up new stories for him every night. That I would like have to do like improv storytelling every night, you know, game time. And so when we were on vacation earlier this summer, I came up with this idea of a story <clears throat> called The Adventures of Big Jack and Blackie. And I, I just started making this up as I went. Because I'm like, I have to kind of throw myself into the deep end and see what happens. And so Big Jack, I began to tell Elijah about Big Jack. Because Big Jack was a short boy. He wasn't as big as the other kids. He was 10 years old, but he's a lot shorter than the other boys. So his parents called him Big Jack to help sort of equal out the schoolyard taunts that he would get. And I just like, yeah, Big Jack. Little does he know that's like the name of my grandpa, but that's where I pulled it from. But I'm using it. It's Big Jack. And so I started telling him Big Jack. And so like, Big Jack's this kid, but he has this horse, this horse called Blackie. It's this black horse and he named him Blackie. And he loves his horse, but this is no ordinary horse. No, wouldn't be a good story if it was just an ordinary horse. See, because Blackie can talk. <laughs> oh yeah. He can talk. And not only talk, he can fly. And so, you know, like, the story gets a lot more interesting. And then as we kept evolving, we found out that not only could he talk and fly, he can swim. <clears throat> he can tow boats, as I, we found out in one story that I made up. Uh, we found out that he can kick trees down. When one story I got into where a cat was stuck in a tree. He can kick a tree down. And as we found out uh, not too long ago, he is an amazing three-point shooter. He can play basketball. He just <laughs> kicks it. And it goes in, and Elijah's like, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it just makes sense to him. He's like, of course he can, of course he can. And so every night, these stories just kind of evolve, and I'm just trying to keep up with myself of what we're talking about. And I can't remember half the stories. 
I honestly can't because like lots of times it'll involve, you know, the crosstown bridge is falling and someone needs to rescue the army tank that's stuck on it because these are the things he's into, right? Or, or, or uh, Big Jack and Blackie meet Spider-Man and or Superman and or Batman. Like, you know, like, all these stories start to interweave. I can't remember half of them. But if we were to go get Elijah and bring him down here, he could tell you every one of them. He remembers every one of them. Why? Because stories stick. Stories have a power to go deep into our soul. Good stories are the kind of stories that we remember. But great stories are the kind of stories that change us. Yeah, and when you think about a story, uh, I mean, what they do is they ignite our imagination, don't they? You know, I mean, they get us thinking about things. And, and people that have the best imagination are children, of course. You know, I mean, when you talk to a child and you ask them, you know, what do you want to be when they grow up? You know, I mean, it's always things like, you know, I want to be a fireman one day. Or when I grow up, I want to be Superman. Or if we were to ask our son upstairs, he would say, I want to be a Jedi when I grow up. And, you know, one day he actually told me that he wanted to be a Jedi because his daddy was a Jedi, which caused me to believe that there's an all too, you know, different problem going on in our household. And then, so, you know, I mean, kids just have this unbelievable imagination, you know, no child says, you know, like when I grow up, I just want a safe, comfortable life. That's all I'm looking for. You know, I don't know any child in the world that'll say something like, you know, I just don't want to be disappointed one day. You know, I just want to have a nice 30 year fixed mortgage and, you know, let it, let it lie. Let that be what it is. You know I mean? No child will say that about their dreams. Kids want interesting lives and they dream about interesting lives because they hear fascinating stories and they hear them from us. But somewhere between childhood and our adult realities, our stories don't turn out quite like we think they're going to, do they? I mean, somewhere along the way, you know, there's, there's all sorts of twists and there's all sorts of turns and, and interesting characters enter into the plot of our story. And some of those characters, they're welcome surprises and we're happy that we're there. But then there's other characters that we're like, why did they ever enter my life? I would be fine if they never came in, you know, or it could be like a frustrating boss or an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend. You're like, I would have been fine without them. This would have gone on great. And I don't need that person in my life. Or, or maybe it's not just an interesting character maybe, you know, it's a moment that came along and it was this unforeseen thing that you would have never expected would have happened. And yet it happened in your life. And you thought, gosh, if if this thing wouldn't have happened, then I would have been fine. You know, maybe it was the loss of a job or, or maybe it was a death of a close friend or a family member or something that happened that was unforeseen. And you thought my life was going a different direction. And now this happened. Or, or maybe it's the whole reality of God and, and who is God and, and what role does he play in my life and, and where do I fit and what does it even mean to have a relationship with him? And, and I think that oftentimes, you know, what we hoped life was going to be, it changes when we actually start realizing we're living a different life than we thought it was going to turn out. Yeah, and that's the thing. As, as much as, as we love stories, um, you are actually created to live a story. And you are actually living a story right now. You're created to live a story. And right now, up until this very moment, you are living a story. And it may be a good one, right? Could be a great one. Maybe not so much. But every one of us right now, we were created, we were intended to live a story. And you are living a story, like it or not. And Jeannie's exactly right. Many of our stories don't exactly go the way we thought they would. Many of our stories don't kind of look like we had hoped they would when we were a kid hoping to be a Jedi one day. Because there's twists and there's turns and there's tension and it's not all that we planned. 
And for many of us, that freaks us out. And that makes us want to kind of run the other way and seek comfort and safety as much as possible. But the interesting thing is, it's those twists and turns that actually make your story interesting. And we believe it's the twists and turns oftentimes is where you find God most at work in your life, whether you realize it or not. He's there. Now, the thing is for us is when we sort of can step back and objectively look at a story, we can analyze it and tear it apart and break it down. But when you're in the middle of the story, you can't do that. You cannot be objective because it's happening like right now to you, right? And so one of the amazing things is we have uh, in the Bible a ton of stories that we can sort of step back and look in on and see and go, okay, what was going on? What's the story? What's happening here? Because the story has already ended for many of the stories in this Bible. Like it happened and you can read about it and learn about it. But if you were to ask the people whose lives were living these stories, they wouldn't know exactly what to tell you depending on where they were at in the story. They wouldn't be able to sort of break it all down for you and give you three easy points to apply to your life from their story. Because their stories are filled. The stories in the Bible are true stories filled with just as much tension, just as many turns in their stories as it is in ours. You think about the story of someone like Moses, right? This very central character to the Old Testament. And Moses uh, is a very fascinating story. He has a very interesting story. Now, you may know his story through either like Charlton Heston's work or through sort of the animated work. It's all good. Like if you understand the basic idea, it's a very interesting story, right? Because the story of Moses is he is an infant put into a river in a basket to avoid genocide. Already his story is interesting. At nine months old, he's got a great story. And he floats down the river and he's found by Pharaoh's family, in the house of Pharaoh, the greatest leader in the known world at that time. And so he's raised in the royal family. He's raised in the palace in the middle of Egypt. He's raised as royalty, but he is not Egyptian. He is Jewish. So there's tension. Something's brewing in this story. And eventually it comes to a head. He sees how his people, the Israelites, are being enslaved by the Egyptians, and he snaps, and he has to do something about it. But he runs, he runs, he doesn't know what to do. And so God finds him through this burning bush moment. So now the story has special effects. Like now it's (laughs) it's really getting interesting. And God speaks actually to Moses through this burning bush, but the bush isn't consumed. And God tells Moses, I have a great adventure for you, if you will trust me. And it eventually leads to Moses going back to Egypt to confronting his former family. And demanding that the Israelites be set free. Literally a nation be set free from within the empire of Egypt. And through all kinds of twists and turns and crazy things, they are led out of Egypt. And Moses leads a nation of people all the way through the wilderness for what was a 240 mile journey to what God had promised them. Like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, even thousand years before, which is this promised land area. And their 240-mile journey, which shouldn't have taken that long, took them 40 years. So now the story's like a trilogy. Like, it's got to go. It's like longer than Lord of the Rings, right? (laughs) And before Moses can even get to the promised land, he dies just at the foothills of it. Now, that's an interesting story, isn't it? And if you were to ask Moses in the moment, let's break down your story. Tell me more about He wouldn't be able to tell you because every day brought new twists, new turns, new tensions. Think about it. Just fast forward a little bit later to the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is a fascinating story, right? Because here we have a teenage girl with Justin Bieber posters all around her room. <laughs> like she is 13, 14 years old at best. And an angel comes to her and speaks to her. 
and says that she is actually going to give birth to the Savior of the world. A few minor details. She's not married yet. And so God moves and tells a very interesting story. A story that would lead very quickly to her fiancé, Joseph, wanting to disown his teenage pregnant fiancé. Oh yeah, who happens to talk to angels as well. (laughs) But eventually Mary would give birth to Jesus. But it wouldn't be in the type of story that you and I would pick. It's in a barn. It's in a stable. It's back in the back where no one is around. And we see as Mary raises Jesus that he would eventually leave her arms and leave her home and head to a cross where Mary herself would stand and watch her son be crucified for the sins of the world, for her sins, for my sins, for your sins. But she would visit three days later an empty grave and see that God had done what he promised he would do and her son, Jesus, the Savior of the world, was raised from the dead. Now that's an interesting story, isn't it? Mm. And there's no way that she could have known in the middle of her story all that would play out. There's just no way. Just like you and I have no way of fully understanding all the twists and turns of our own story. I think about the story in the Bible of Peter. And if you have your Bibles with you, you can open to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at some words from the life of Peter. Now, if you don't have a Bible and would like one, on that comment card I told you about earlier, just tell us, I'd like a Bible. We know people. We can get you a Bible. (laughs) It's easy for us to do because it's important to us that we understand the bigger story of God that our lives are a part of. So if you open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at the words of Peter here in just a minute. But let me give a little context. Peter's life was not an interesting story to begin with. Not at all interesting. Not even like boring enough for Lifetime Network. Like this is a boring, boring life, right? He's a fisherman. Just literally making a living, catching fish. Wake up. Catch fish, sell fish, eat dinner, go to bed. That was his life. <laughs> and there still Jesus comes into the story. And there's a new twist. There's a new turn. And his life radically changes in a moment. And he becomes one of the first disciples and followers of Jesus. But the great thing is, is as he follows Jesus, he is so much like us. Because he just gets it wrong so many times. But he goes so big. He goes so big and so loud and fails so awesomely. And so lots of times, like Jesus will ask a question or ask kind of what the meaning is going on, and Peter will just completely miss the point. I mean, totally miss the point. So much so, in fact, that at one point, Jesus turns and like snaps back at Peter and literally yells at him in front of all the other disciples and says, get behind me, Satan. Now, when the Son of God calls you Satan, you've crossed a line. <laughs> you might have gone a little too far. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me because you're only consumed with human things, not the concerns of God. So we see in Peter, in his story, a lot of ourselves, don't we? Hmm. We try, we miss, we fail, we don't know, but we're still on the journey. And he continues to follow Jesus. And ultimately, it's not until the death and resurrection of Jesus, that ultimate twist and turn and tension in their story, that it finally starts to click for Peter, and he begins to get it. He begins to get it, and his life begins to radically change. And he becomes one of the first leaders of the very first church. And this guy who had missed it and who had failed and who had like, just completely misunderstood so many times what God was doing in his very presence through Jesus. This guy who had literally witnessed miracles regularly. 
He had heard the teachings and wisdom of Jesus straight from Jesus' mouth, straight from the heart of God, consistently. He had been a part of Jesus being active and present with the poor, the oppressed, the overlooked. He still missed it. But finally, when that great twist happens, where Jesus gives his life on a cross and is resurrected by God from the grave, Peter starts to get it, and his life begins to transform. And we see Peter, 30 or so years later, write these words to the church that he was a leader of. And these are powerful words coming out of 2 Peter 1, 5-8, because they lay out the idea of what transformation looks like, something Peter didn't learn in a classroom, something he learned from the twists and turns of his life. Listen to what Peter says. He says, don't, like, lose a minute. Don't even lose a minute in building on what you've been given, on complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, Alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love. Each dimension fitting into and developing the others. Now listen to what he says. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience with our master Jesus. You will not have a boring story. If you commit yourself to the process of growth and transformation as laid out by Jesus Christ, all the years that Peter had attempted and failed, all those years later, his life has now been transformed. And he can speak to a church and say, listen, this is what it looks like. God grows you daily. God wants to grow you regularly. You have to be present. This is the guy who'd failed miserably now who completely, succinctly begins to understand it. Why? Because he had been through the process of transformation. All those twists and turns in his life actually were building the character, the wisdom, the heart and life of Jesus within him. Beatings to the point of death, imprisonment, going hungry, personal betrayal. All these things that make us want to quit. Peter stays present with God and God grows in him the maturity to be able to write these words to that church and to our church. What it looks like for us to daily, regularly, consistently grow. Yeah, and I think that oftentimes we can listen to a story like that and we we can hear, you know, like the story of Moses or we can hear the story of Mary and we can hear the story of Peter and we can go, well, well, of course, those are like great heroes in the Bible. Like, of course, that's why they're in the Bible. That's why I'm not in the Bible, you know, and we can hear a story like that and we can think that, you know, we, we don't have anywhere to find ourselves in it. But I bet if you were to be honest, there are twists and turns in your story. There, there are things that have happened along the way. There are things that you could have never predicted, things that you found out about yourself and you're like, I would have never known that this is where I was going to be. Somebody really important to you got sick. And it was a twist. It was a turn. There was a moment where you were really, really disappointed, where you thought life was going to turn out a certain way and it very clearly did not turn out that way. That was a twist. That was a turn. Maybe there's a regret in your life. There's something that, you know, it's just sort of like this black hole of your existence. And you're like, oh, if I could just go back and like get a huge like eraser and just erase that out of my life, I would be so much better off. That was a twist. That was a turn. And even God was at work in the middle of that. In any great story, it has tension and it has twists and it has turns. 
Because a great story without those things, it's not a great story. And God is even at work in the middle of the twists and the turns. And oftentimes it's for the purpose of transformation. And in the process of, of us starting this church and getting to know so many different people around here, we've seen so many different stories of things just like that. And we've been able to see God at work in different people's lives. In fact, one of my favorite stories is, an, is a new friend of mine, Megan. And I'm going to actually ask her to come up here. I'm not even sure where she's at. Uh, she's somewhere. There she is. And uh, I'm going to have Megan come up. And, uh, and I love Megan's story because it's a story that shows all sorts of twists and turns. And so I would love for you. This is Megan. Will you help me welcome her? This is Megan Downey. And uh, Megan's a part of Soul City Church, and uh, I would just love for you to tell us a little bit about what your faith, uh, what it meant to you, your faith in God, what it meant to you growing up. Like, let's start from there. Sure. Um, well, I would say I grew up in, in a religious family, and, you know, we went to church every week, and, you know, even my mother was very involved. She was one of the leaders of the church. But really, the definition of religion for me, the, defi- the definition of faith for me, um, it was confined to those four walls. I mean, it was just going to church every Saturday. It wasn't any more than that. And, you know, I sat through so many services and so many religious classes, and I can't remember a single scripture passage. Hmm. I can't. And um, as much as I recited so many prayers in those services, I don't remember a single time hmm. other than maybe, you know, holiday dinners where we prayed at home. Hmm. I didn't pray with my mother, and I didn't pray with other members of my family. It just, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't about that. Yeah. That just wasn't a part of it. So, you know, growing up, I really, I went to church because that was what was expected of me. And um, I think that my, my parents before that went to church because that was expected of them, and so on and so on. And I really think... Um, a lot of times religion just perpetuates that disconnect. Yeah, yeah. And I know that for you there was, there was a switch. Um, there were a couple of different things. So when did that switch happen and what, what did it look like in your life? Sure. Well, there were a, a number of different times that were pretty instrumental for my journey. And um, one of them was, was a really hard one. It was when my parents uh, divorced. And they divorced when I was in high school. And um, naturally I, I started to doubt things a lot. And when I went to college, this sounds so cliche, but of course I started questioning everything and questioning why I was going. I started going because it was kind of what the pattern had been. And when I started asking questions, you know, I, I sometimes literally got doors slammed in my face. And it was pretty much made pretty clear that, you know, you, you don't ask questions. And, you know, I just stopped going. I just stopped. And it wasn't that I didn't believe in God anymore. I was just lost. I was really lost. Mm. So that was, that was probably the first time. Um, the second time was when I started dating my husband, Aaron, who's been really instrumental in, in my journey. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about faith when we started dating, but it wasn't, it wasn't something that I was really comfortable with. And he said, you know, why don't you just come out to this church, Willow Creek? Um, he had been going there for a while. And he said, why don't you just come out to this service, Axis? Just come check it out. And it was the Axis service was kind of geared toward the younger crowd. And I thought... Okay, sure. And when I went, it was such an incredible experience for me because I remember the pastor really kind of took apart the Our Father. And it was a prayer I had said hundreds, 
thousands of times, you know, growing up, and I'd never heard it. You know, I had never heard it like that. I had never heard it made real to me in my life at this time. So I started to think maybe there is a place for me. Maybe, maybe there's a place for me out there. But I was still, I was still really hesitant and reticent. Hmm. So, you know, we started going to a bunch of different places, trying it out, and nothing felt right. And kind of the third transformational moment for me was when I, when I came to Soul City. It really was. And even then, you know, we had heard about it because Aaron knew Jarrett and Jeannie at Willow Creek, and he heard that they were bringing this church here, and he said, oh, let's go check it out. And, of course, even then, I was like, man, I don't know. Is it going to be like every other church we've tried? Is it going to be, I'm not going to be made to feel, I'm not good enough for it. Is it going to be, nobody's going to connect with me. Everybody already knows everyone else. I'm just going to feel awkward. And, you know, I walked in those doors, and it was like every single doubt that I had, it was like Jesus was there with me, and he's like, okay, here, what else you got? (laughs) And it was pretty much every single hesitancy I had was gone until it was the point where the only person holding me back was myself, Mm. and I had to let it go, Mm. and I did. Mm. So how is God growing you now? I mean, you're, you're like in the deep end of Soul City Church. Uh, you went from that to now you're a church planter. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was a fast transformation. And uh, so, so tell me about how, just what your life looks like now in this season. Sure. Um, my life is incredibly changed. It's incredibly changed. This is the first time in my life where I really feel God's presence every day. I, I can't say that I've ever felt that before. And it's a lot to do with this church and these people. I just really felt like I found a family here. And, you know, I didn't even know that that was possible. I didn't even really know what a faith journey was. I'd heard so many people say, oh, Jesus led me here. God led me here. And I was like, what? You know, I never really knew what that meant. But I've experienced it here. And, you know, I think... Like I said, when I, when I was younger and I was growing up, I went to church because that was what was expected of me. Mm. And when I got to college, I went because that was my routine and I didn't know what else to do. Mm. And when I went to that service at Willow Creek, it was because Aaron had asked me to go. And even when I came to this first service here at Soul City, when we didn't have this amazing space that we have mm. now when we, were in, when we were in a building over on Rockwell, I went because he asked me to go. Mm. And I thought, okay okay, I will do that for you. I'll go check it out. But, you know, it's, it's not for anyone else mm. anymore. Now it's, it's for me. Mm. Mm. Megan, it's been amazing to see your story and your life and how it's transformed just even the short amount of time that I've known you. And uh, it's incredible how you've even allowed the twists and the turns of your story to be le- leading you towards transformation. So thanks so much for sharing your story tonight. Part of the reason that I, I just wanted you to hear Megan's story is, one, I couldn't tell it nearly as good as she can. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it's a great story, you know? I mean, there's twists and turns in it, aren't there? There are moments of doubt. There are moments of pain. There are moments of question. There was moments of, I, I'm not really sure. And, and God has been at work all along in her story. And, and you may be sitting here tonight going, 
I sort of feel like her a little bit. Like, um, I, I don't know why I'm stumbling into this church. I, I came because somebody asked me or, you know, like Jarrett and Jeannie begged me on Facebook. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure how uh, you found yourself in this room tonight. Um, but you're here. And there may be some twists and some turns in your life even right now. And you're trying to discern and, and figure out what is God doing? What, what is he trying to say? And I know for me that for a number of years in my own life, I sort of played the defense uh, when it came to my life. Like, I just tried to avoid anything that was bad. Like, if there was pain out there, I was like, I'm going to stay as far away as I possibly can from pain. Or if there was difficulty, I was like, I'm going to just, you know, try and run this way or run that way. I'm not going to go straight into it. And, and be honest, I'm, I'm still not looking for pain. But I have found, I have found That in the twists and the turns, that that is sometimes the places where God most meets me. Where he most speaks to me. Where he most says, I I have something for you. I know you didn't want it to go this way. And I know this is terribly disappointing. And I know this is very difficult. And I know you have questions. And I'm okay with your questions. But I am here in the middle of the twists and the turns. And I can even use these twists and these turns for transformation in your life. And my perspective has changed. I don't try to run around them anymore. I actually try to see what God has for me in them. In fact, even the process of, of starting Soul City Church and, and, and even in getting to this night, you know, from, from leaving great jobs in Atlanta, which is a very warm climate. Mm-hmm. Yes, Lord. And every week they put, they put money into our bank deposits every other week. It was incredible. It's this awesome thing called a paycheck and, and, and going in and saying, you know, it's okay. I don't need that anymore. And saying, I'm okay. I'm, I'm stepping out on a faith journey. Things like, you know, building our dream home, you know, getting the exact tiles that I wanted in my backsplash <laughs> and saying, I don't need it anymore putting it up on the market and, of course, it not selling <laughs> and waiting around for a renter to come along and, and rent it. You know, things like the house that we were supposed to move into here in Chicago. Uh, two weeks before we got here, they called and said, yeah, we rented it to somebody else. And we're like, we have U-Hauls. We're coming. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, in that process, we went on all things like Craigslist and, and we found a house and, and we moved into it sight unseen, <laughs> you know, things like having our home broken into about a month ago and all of our electronics stolen and, you know, just what that feels like to, to have something taken from you and having our five-year-old say to us, you know, mommy, daddy, why didn't they just ask us for it? Maybe we would have given it to them. You know, moments like that or, or, you know, from, from starting a church in a down economy, we've said many times we should have done this like seven years ago. Like that would have been much better for us, you know, trying to, to renovate a, a 22,000 square foot building like this on a shoestring startup budget. You know, that's a twist. That's a turn in your story. And it's been unbelievable from starting a church with honestly, what I would say is the greatest group of volunteers and starters Mm -hmm. I have ever worked with. And most of them, I did not know their names six months ago. That's a twist. That's a turn. I could not have predicted that. And it has been one of the greatest twists and turns of our life. Mm -hmm. And God has been writing a story. And I know God is writing a story in your life. 
I know that. You may be in the center of a twist. You might be in the center of a turn. It might be incredibly painful. But I know that our God wants that twist and wants that turn for the sake of transformation in your life. Yeah, and this is what we saw in Peter's life, right? It was those twists and those turns that actually led him and transformed him and helped him literally to become who God intended him to be all along. Would not have been him were it not for those twists and turns. Same is true for your story right now. And we don't know what those are for you, but you do, don't you? Some of them are in the past. Some of them are very active right now. Things are not going the way that you intended them to be. We believe this. I wrote it down very clearly because I believe it's true. That the twists and the turns in our story oftentimes are the very pathways to transformation. It's the twists and the turns in our stories that oftentimes are the very pathway to our transformation, to God growing us greater than he would have in our comfortable, safe, boring stories. And you know, that's why for us, we try and we're we're working hard to build this church around that idea of transformation. How do we help people become who God created them to be? How can we be a church that walks with you through the twists and turns? How can we be a church that puts growth and our souls at the very center of this, where everyone is accepted, but everyone is expected to grow? That growth is normal around here. We've built this whole church. We've bet our lives on that idea that that's what God longs for you is to be in a transformational relationship with him. And we would hope that as a church, we can be that for you. We've seen it already be that for us. We put at the center of our church that we want to be a church that is better at doing that seven days a week instead of just one. We just think seven is better than one. And lots of times, so many churches are only open. They have like a backwards business model. They're only open one day a week. And typically it's a half day. (laughs) Well, we want to be a church that is about transformation, not only in our souls, but in our neighborhoods, seven days a week. We look at this space and go, how can we leverage it for God? How can we be a gift to help people grow seven days a week in different ways on different days? That's what we put at the center of this church. At the center of this church, we put the idea that any moment we have together, like this one, when we gather together, like every Sunday moving forward from now on, like when we gather together in these moments, that that would actually lead to movement in your life. That it wouldn't just be a moment that's locked up into an hour and a half on a Sunday, that it actually moves and begins to change your life, your perspective, and your world because of it. We, we kind of have banked everything on that idea. And all the twists and turns that we've experienced along the way of starting this church are making this church exactly what God wants it to be. Hmm. And we believe that that is no less true for your life. Yeah, there's, a, there's an awesome passage in the, in the book of Psalms, which is this uh, great collection of, of prayers and songs uh, in the Old Testament. And, and it says this in Psalm 107 too. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let them tell their story. And we want the story of Soul City Church to do nothing more and nothing less than to be about joining God in what he's already at work doing. He's already at work in loving people in this city. And we want to be a part of joining in with him. We want to be a part of partnering with unbelievable organizations, organizations like Breakthrough and organizations here in the city where, where we can actually help those that are hurting and those that are outside 
right now that are, that are cold, that don't have a home, that don't have a place where, where they can feel loved and they can experience the warmth that we experience in here. That's why we want to be a church better seven days of the week instead of just one. We want to be about making sure that our story is told well. And here's the fun thing. You're here on the very first night. It's just the beginning. This isn't a story that has lots and lots of chapters and you have to look around to find, you know, where you can fit in. You're at chapter one, (laughs) page one. It's just the beginning of the story. And we would love more than anything for you to be a part of it. For your life to be turned inside out and upside down by the transformational love of Jesus. We would love nothing more than that. That's what we're about. We're pretty simple. It doesn't get more complicated than that for us. And when you came in tonight, you were handed a uh, a little photo book. And in here are just a bunch of pictures of of what's happened along the way. And uh, in the very last page is blank. Not because we forgot to put something on it. But we left it blank intentionally. Because our hope and our prayer is that maybe a next chapter is starting for you here tonight. And we would love for you to take uh, the pen that's in the the seat back in front of you. And uh, we're pretty excited because we've got pens with our names on it. It makes us feel like we're a real church now. That's right. It's official. And we would love for you to just take a few moments and start to just write out what might this next chapter look like for you. Maybe it's, it's a prayer that you want to pray. Something that, that's happening in your life, and you just want to take a few moments, and um, maybe you've never prayed before, and that's okay. Uh, it's pretty simple. It's like, God, can I talk to you for a minute? Um, and I promise, He'll listen. He'll listen. Maybe you just want to write down a prayer. Maybe there is a very real twist or turn going on in your life right now. Something that is very painful, something that you didn't think was going to happen. You find yourself in the middle of this thing and you just, all you want is for it to go away. Maybe you just want to take a few moments and say, God, what are you trying to say to me through this? My preference is that it's gone. But, but if my preference doesn't come to fruition, what might you want to say to me through this situation right now? Maybe for you, uh, you have been away from church for a long time, right? Maybe on purpose. Maybe just not. Maybe you just haven't found a place to call home. And maybe the next chapter for you is literally you writing out, I'm going to get involved. And listen, it doesn't have to be our church. It's not even ultimately about church. It's about growing in your relationship with God. And we want to be the type of church that helps you do that. So maybe that's what you write in the back. Is this, I'm going to finally get plugged in. I'm going to join a small group here and get to actually grow in the context of a circle of relationships in my life. Maybe for you, the next step has been, you know, I've been a spectator for a long time, maybe even a consumer of church. And I know that the next chapter for me means getting involved, means making a difference. And so you write that out. How might that look like, whether it's at this church or somewhere else? How might you jump in the game, the adventure, the story of God? And maybe for you, you know that your story up to this point has not been one that has included a relationship with God. Maybe like Megan, it's out there. You sort of know that God's out there, but to have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, his son, as we've talked about here tonight, maybe that may be the very next chapter for you. 
And that's why God has brought you here tonight. You maybe came for other reasons, but maybe your story and God's story and the story of this church are aligning tonight. And that's what you write on that space. Here's the deal. We want to help. We want to be a church. We want to be people that help each other through the twists and turns actually transform and become who God intended us to be. And so this exercise for you is for you to say that, and we want you to hear us say that, that we want to help. We've built this whole church around that idea, and God has been leading us towards that direction. So we're going to take a few minutes to give you a moment to write down that next chapter. We would encourage everyone to do this. No matter where you're at with God, it's good to start to think about, okay, what do I want this next chapter to be? And I want to pray for you as you begin to write those words. And then in the minute, the band is going to sing. We're going to join them singing together. But let me pray for you right now as you begin to reflect on the story that's brought you here tonight. God, thank you that it is a story. Mm. It's not just some sort of, you know, stand up, sit down, check the box kind of thing. That you've invited us into an adventure with you that has never been safe or comfortable or easy, but it has always been good and it has always been for our growth. And God, I pray tonight that you would lead us into this next chapter of our life. Lead our church, God, into this next chapter. And lead everyone who's gathered here, who's watching online right now, whoever may be encountering your truth, God, in this moment, that they would open their hearts and their lives to you to say, God, what's next? I open myself to you, God. What, what is it? So thank you, God, that you care enough about us, you care enough for us, that you want to walk with us. Thank you for that, God. Now walk with us and lead us through these next few moments, we pray. In your name, amen.